Welcome, friends, to uh, another episode of whatever this podcast is called. I forget at times. I believe it is squiggles, lines, and other angles. So um, let's begin with a, a cold, hard blues uh, on the theme of socialism. I was once a socialist Waving that flag But I lost my bliss And I felt so sad When I realized that The world ain't so simple as that Potentially I call that socialism death throw blues. Righto. So, uh, today, uh, basically, I'm not an expert in economics. I'm sure you you could guess that. Um, but I am interested in it. So, you know, I've read and read about it, read books, listened to a lot of podcasts. Um, and it seems to me, like, basically, in a nutshell, I used to say, you know, I believe in socialism, you know, which is a broad term, but basically, like, um, let's say... Uh, socialist capitalism um i thought that was the way to fix a lot of problems in society now i have a different perspective but i've noticed that a lot of people have the perspective that i used to have which i think i kind of grew out of by learning more so i'm going to offer how i think about these things because i think whether i'm right or wrong i think i'm right <laughs> obviously otherwise i wouldn't you know be telling you these things um but, you know, but I also have enough awareness to notice that, you know, every five years I look, or, you know, 10 years or even every year, you can look back and you notice that, oh, actually I'm kind of shedding layers of skin and, uh, you know, you, you grow, you learn things, you realize you were wrong. So I've been wrong about a bunch of things, like socialism, I think. So I'm aware that that's probably going to keep happening. So this is just my perspective right now. Um, but I think it's useful um, for us all to share our perspectives and this is a very important you might think like what's that got to do with anything but actually like uh if we all think about this and you know share like share conversations you listen to this podcast you get some ideas about i want to give you you know pretty specific little things just a summary kind of the field and i think probably you're going to come away with like a bunch of things where you hadn't thought about and you go hmm i'm not sure if i agree with that but that's interesting and then you're going to be able to have better conversations with other people if we all kind of do this in some way, our conversations as a society are going to get better and we're going to get closer to actually figuring out what the ideal system is or a more ideal system. We don't need a perfect system. We just need a better system. Every 10 years or whatever, it's slowly getting better. That would be good, you know, um, rather than getting worse or stagnating. Um, so if we can think about this, I think uh, there's just a lot to gain. It's, you know, we should be excited about the idea of... Um, talking about things and in order to things that have a big influence on us we can change a lot more 
like people are like oh women will never be able to vote well they proved those people wrong you know so like a lot's possible so um we should keep an open mind keep kind of uh excitement i think on the idea of improving the world so yeah so um now and like i say i'm not an expert but um i think i'm just gonna you know offer like my my truth what i i feel based upon what i understand and what i think um and yeah if you um notice anything where you think there's a blind spot please do me a solid and put it in the comments let me know um or send me a message on social media or whatever uh if you haven't subscribed uh and you know whatever notifications bell to this uh podcast if you're watching on youtube please go ahead and do that if you want more of this um and yeah thanks for listening all right so or watching or uh but that's all listening and watching i don't want you smelling don't want you feeling no feelings okay through the maybe through your heart um tasting don't think we're that intimate yet let's keep it simple um all right so basically i think socialism what does that mean right so um according to wikipedia which is not like your go-to source for everything but um it's like a kind of mainstream source i think it's pretty good for like certain things where it's not controversial so much like how does this type of chemistry work um probably correct but then certain anything where it's kind of in dispute it usually takes the mainstream position like the position of the status quo people who have the more money behind them basically um so you can just be aware of that and you know okay look at other sources if it's something spicy but um but also here i can take the mainstream definition of socialism just so i'm not you know um straw manning it and just creating some false definition then you know tearing it down or something so according to wikipedia they're saying uh basically a system um, whereby uh, socialism a system whereby the means of production so all the farms and the factories and all the property and everything that can pr produce something right so which is this is what economies are we're producing stuff and sharing it distributing it around so that we can satisfy our needs and our wants so production and consumption right you you know the bee produces honey and then they consume the honey or whatever, right? Um, so that's it, right? Production. Um, socialism is where the means of production are socially owned. There is social ownership, which they you know, defined as not private ownership, but state, government ownership, or cooperative, um, some sort of you know, social groups. So not individual ownership, but some sort of groups owning things, um, which, you know, in a nutshell, uh, is n not quite the freest system, if you, you might notice. Like, but the idea is that this is um, necessary to balance the excesses of, of uh, capitalism or something, or of private ownership. That's their case. So let's talk about the, the reasons in favor of socialism first, what draws people to it, and what drew me to it. Uh, like there's some line people say, you know, if you're not a socialist in your 20s, you have no heart. If you're not a conservative in your 40s, you have no brain, something like that, you know? Um, the idea being that like socialism obviously I think um, has appeals to your compassion and the idea that we should all be working together and trying to help each other um, and love the idea of love and just wow, there's so many problems in the world why can't we just like work together you know um, and definitely that's a beautiful vision um, but as with many things um, I think uh, the, there's a misdiagnosis of the cause of things People say money is the root of all evil. As I talked about in the podcast on evil, I think 
the human mind or ignorance, spiritual ignorance, unawareness of what the self is, and that actually the self includes other people, and like we're all one big tree. You're a branch on this tree called humans, um, and that's a branch on the tree called life. It's like broccoli. It's like fractal, you know, um, that, uh, you know, that would be an example, like, um, you know, getting confused about your mind and who you are and who, you know, what the world is. And um, that's the root of evil, um, I would say, like being asleep, spiritually asleep, um, lost in your mind. So uh, not money. Money, if you're spiritually awake, money, the more money you have, the more useful it is for the world. If you're not awake, then the more money you have, probably, you know, the more problems it's going to cause, depending on how asleep you are. If you're somewhere in the middle, it's probably not a big deal. So... Likewise, with socialism, um, I think uh, there is a misdiagnosis where it was saying, oh, capitalism is the root of all these evils. Um, ironically, actually, I think socialism <laughs> is the cause of all these things. Um, now, there's l different levels. You could have communism is a type of socialism where the state has complete ownership. Um, fascism is a type of socialism. That's where um, that began. I think it began with Mussolini in Italy. Um and, you know, so it's a fusion of, like, corporations and the state, like um, the private sector and the state. Um, so basically the state doesn't say, are we going to, you know, tell you how much food to grow and what to do? Because that, you know, you can't, it's not very efficient. The Soviet Union had so many problems with that. Um, but they say, oh, we'll keep, the, you know, the very efficient engine of capitalism, but we're just going to control it. We're, we're going to violate your property rights at the drop of a hat if we want to. And so we have, we cultivate these big monopolies that which we can control. And so that way we can say, yeah, build us all these tanks, do that, do this. But um, there's a kind of scratch, you know, one hand washes the other kind of thing going on, scratching each other's backs, where these big um, people get very wealthy, they have a lot of power, but then they have to do the government's bidding. And that's basically fascism. So that's, you might notice that's what modern China is. Um, not communism, actually, anymore, because they have capitalist um, uh, forces. Like North Korea, I think, would be closer to communism. And even them, well, they have a black market. But I think, I believe they're kind of still like actual communist, I think. Um, uh, you'd have to ask Yunmi Park if you want. that. She's got a great podcast, Voice of North Korea. This defector from North Korea, really amazing woman. If you're interested, look up that podcast. Um, but uh, so but then, um, so you're fascist. And, you know, Nazism would be like fascism with these racist overtones and the whole vision of like, oh, the German race, what we're going to do and all that. So that's, that's not actually fascism. That's a more specific kind of thing. It doesn't need to be racist fascism, you know? Well, um, but anyway, so these are types of socialism. Um, uh, and as someone said, or Peter Schiff said, also check out Peter Schiff, uh, The Real Crash, some book, where is that? Somewhere here. Um, yeah, great book. Like, um, and he's a very smart guy. Um, uh, I think he's a bit intense, so maybe sometimes it might turn people off a bit. But he's very, he's he's very knowledgeable, and he's very um, understanding of the, these problems. So um, he's got a podcast too. You could check out if you want more information. Um, and uh, so, but he uh, said, you know, the communists and the uh, and the fascists, they're both so types of socialists. That's why they're always fighting each other. They're fighting over the same turf, you know. Um, like, you know, rival gangs. But, um, and, you know, it would be pretty easy for people to go from fascist to communist or vice versa because it's kind of actually similar territory. So they have to be more careful about each other's, like, hey, you pose a more direct threat to converting people, you know, away from our cause. Um, 
And then you've got other types of socialism, like, you know, people talk about democratic socialism, like Bernie Sanders, etc. I was a big Bernie supporter until I kind of uh, believe I noticed the error of my ways. Um, and uh, I'll talk a little bit how that happened, but just briefly. Um, uh, but, but basically he would be saying, yeah, you know, it's all democracy. There's no state ownership. Don't worry. It's all good. However, we will be taxing the rich to pay for programs and supply services and goods, goods and services to help poorer people. So it's basically socialism is state intervention in the economy um, for the greater good, in theory. Um, but then we need to think about that. Does that actually match the evidence? Do we actually, does it look like that's what we're actually getting bang for our buck here? I would say no, we're getting screwed. Uh, um, not saying it's intentional. I think you know, maybe in some cases people are exploiting it for political control, but in general I think it's coming from the, the well-meaning, um, people's well-meaning nature. But um, so, uh, yeah, so Bernie Sanders would say, yeah, it's all democratic, but we're going to be doing providing these programs. Um, so that would still be com um, socialism, type socialism. Um, and then uh, you could have, like, people say the Scandinavian countries, you know, like Sweden and stuff are socialist, um, socialist capitalism. And that's what I thought. They, as far as I understand it, look, it's very complicated. Like I said, you know, you can't look into everything. Look at all the things I'm doing these podcasts on, right? These are things I'm interested in. Like, you can't, I'm kind of a generalist, you know? I'm interested in these things, but there's some balance to, with depth. And unfortunately, I'm not as aware of all the details as I would like to be. But so full disclosure there, you know? But um, as far as I understand it, from the people I trust, my spiritual, um, my intuition is, I look in that person's eye and I analyze what they do and say for contradictions or lying. You lie once, basically you've broken all your trust. You have to work very hard to work that back. If I notice anyone lying or appearing contradicted, um, they, I get a bit sus with them. Um, uh, and in general, I have an emotional sense of like from the, the look in someone's eyes, like, you know, can they be trusted? Usually that's pretty accurate. Occasionally it's maybe not, but... Um, and so I have my sense of who's reliable. And from those people, um, uh, you know, these are experts, right? But not all the experts agree. Um, they say, actually, the Scandinavian countries aren't, they're actually more, some of the most free market um, countries in the world. Um, they rank very high in terms of, you know, uh, what is it? Economic, in the economic freedom index. There have a lot of things like, I think in Sweden, for example, like all the, the public services, there's an element of like, um, uh, private companies competing for them for contracts or something like this, um, but uh, so um, and basically what say Sweden was very poor I think like a hundred years ago, um, and then uh, well this is the story I've been told right say by Peter Schiff right and I think a few others but uh, that they they were poor then they brought in free market capitalism right like just letting you know hey we. Let the market do it. Oh, you can you can do things, and we're not going to tax you. Do whatever if you're not hurting people. Do whatever you want. Buy and sell stuff. Do it. We're not going to get in the way. And lo and behold, they had an enormous um, increase in prosperity. And then, oh, they're getting wealthier. Oh, oh, why don't we start bringing in a bit of socialism? Make it even better. And then it started causing problems. And actually, they've been backpedaling away from socialism for some time. That's the story I've been told. So apparently it's actually not true to say, oh, yeah, but look at Scandinavia. They're wealthy and they're socialist. Actually, that's not the cause of their prosperity, it would seem. And in general, if you think about it, socialism really began around the turn of the 20th century. 
would that be the well, is it the turn of the nineteenth century? I always get confused there. But like early nineteen hundreds, you start having the welfare state being brought in, um, the idea that the government should provide for the people. But um, how did we get? We were already at a very advanced state of technology at that point and prosperity. Prosperity had been increasing generation after generation. Um, from the in America in particular, which other countries have been emulating for quite a while because they tend to do things ahead of others, um, <laughs> like collapse. Uh, low blow. No, hopefully not. Um, but uh, they from the end of the Civil War, like the 1860s, to the beginning of World War One, basically, like 1914, or you might say 1913, when the central bank was brought in. Again, the third, the third central bank America has been oh, blessed slash cursed with. Um, but th during that period, uh, they had the biggest growth of a middle class ever in history. Um, perhaps China superseded that since then. I'm not sure. But that you had, you know, like all these people, Polish people, people from Russians, um, Serbians, whatever, people from all, uh, you know, French, Irish, a lot of Irish, um, people from all over the place going to America for a better life because they heard, hey, there's this country where you can work and you keep the fruits of your labors. So the government gives you nothing. You just walk in there. There's no visa. 30% of the people, the immigrants left there for one reason or another. Um, they didn't stay. But you can go there and the government gives you nothing. Um, so, you, you know, the no food even, right? But it, whatever you do from working, you get to keep it. And that doesn't happen these days. How hard, you, you, we work our, our asses off. And we get taxed like half of our money or a third to a half of our money, you know? And there's all these little taxes we're not aware of, including inflation, where they just print more money, and that's actually taxing our money. So we probably are paying at least half of our money to in tax. It used to be you paid no tax, unless you were very wealthy, very wealthy. So, um, and yet, and there was, um, so that people worked, they worked hard, they had to, they had no choice, but they were able to keep their, um, their savings, build up savings, and then their children had a better life. You had all these people, oh, isn't it awful, all these sweatshops in these countries? Well, yeah, if that's due to endemic corruption, but it's possible, and it seems like it's the case, at least in part, many some places, that uh, it's a stage. London had sweatshops, right? And then people worked in them because that was the. If they have a better opportunity, they'll take it, right? They're not going to work there um, if they have a better option. So that's why corruption would be the only real problem if they're keeping it there. They're preventing the natural growth through capitalism. But um, say England, they had all these sweatshops. People work in them. It's awful, but it's the best thing they can they can get. Best op opportunity. They save up money and then they start their own business. Um, and then maybe their kids get raised doing that and take over and they make a lot of money. And then maybe their kids get to go to university because they've got enough savings. You've got this process where naturally, before socialism was even around, there was this upward social mobility and this development of prosperity. So how did, if socialism is required for prosperity, how did we get to the point where we were wealthy enough to start providing socialism? Doesn't seem to make sense, does it? Let me know in the comments. But um, so it's possible that Bangladesh, you know, all oh, these sweatshops, like, yeah, I mean, it is rough that people have to deal with these terrible, difficult situations. But then perhaps it's, it's the stage that's required um, in, in order to bring up, maybe that is the best option they have, better than anything else, you know. Um, and so maybe by you know, some Western companies shipping stuff off to there, that might actually be good for them, might not be good for the Westerners, um, because their you know workers aren't getting their economies are shrinking. We're not making things, but nonetheless, point being, um, so socialism is kind of all the wealth to to provide these things that actually came quite recently in history. And you'll notice that actually 
um, economic growth, um, there've been like booms and busts, but um, it seems like basically uh, it, this, we've gone wrong. We took a wrong turn with socialism um, and that things kept improving, but a lot of that you could ascribe to advances in technology in spite of socialism, not because of advances, beca improvements because of socialism. And um, there was an inc increase of, you know, um, prosperity in the United States up until like the 50s or so. But there's probably going to be a little bit of a lag after some benevolent system has been in place, right? And so I think it's conceivable that's actually due to the free market policies before and that socialism um, eventually kind of slow slowed it down and they built on more and more socialism to the point where real wages in the United States haven't, um, they've been declining since the 70s, I believe. Um, and around in the West in general, I believe that's the case. I'm not certain, but <laughs> anyway, stuff to think about, right? Like whatever, you know, this is stimulating conversation and it's, I'm not perfect, but it's better than remaining silent, right? Because, hey, this can help people get some ideas to what to think about, even if it's just to think about it and find out that I'm wrong, you know? Um, so, so yes, uh, socialism brought, uh, you know, there's these many forms of socialism, but um, they're all, I basically, let's bring in the state to interfere in the economy because it's going to help people overall. And I would argue it seems like that's not actually the case. So let's talk a little bit about specifically uh, what's going wrong. So debt. All the, basically, all the governments around the world are socialist at the moment, almost all of them, um, to varying degrees. But I think all of them are to some degree. There's no, now, the opposite, you could say libertarian or free market. Libertarian sometimes used to mean like, oh, do whatever you want. And in a way, that's true. Um, uh, there's, you know, again, words, people use them in different ways. Some people use socialists and they mean just communism you know damn socialism and then people are like hey socialism that's not socialism actually look it's socialism includes communism so we need to be careful with words or people say what's whatever you know we can have different meanings of words um what is god you can get really confused one person thinks it's a guy with a beard in the sky someone else thinks it's the whole universe experiencing itself um so and that's why i define socialism but libertarianism as i'll define it here would be basically the antithesis to socialism. It's the idea that the government uh, does nothing except um, protect, prevent people from robbing each other. And well, it um, government enforces the non-aggression principle. So the uh, now libertarians, I believe, I might be getting this slightly wrong, but I believe anarcho-capitalists would say have nothing, no state, and it's just naturally everything will resolve itself. You have private police forces; they will balance each other out. And um, basically, just having a state, is, it's like a huge mafia. That's the whole problem. Just get rid of it and everything will be fine. Um, this, um, and we'll talk about in detail why that is plausible, although I think it's premature. I think, as far as I understand it, libertarianism would be the idea of a state, but just a very, very pared-back state. Um, or perhaps I'm getting that wrong. Um, that might just be like something cl close to libertarianism. But... Basically, um, you could say free, um, that's how I'm going to use libertarianism, okay, to mean um, still having a state, but basically the state manages the military to protect the country from external threats. Um, so, uh, and then uh, the police and the courts and the politicians and the bureaucracy. So just the basic organs of government. Um, it, it, there's a state consisting of this. And maybe a few other things, but 
that would be the purer form of libertarianism, just like that little small um, lean state. So if, if you try to kill someone or if you try to rob someone or defraud someone or rape someone or assault someone, uh, there are consequences. And we collectively fund this system, the state, which is a monopoly of the legitimate use of violence, and um, we have democratic control over it. We have elections to control it. It's not like a monarchy. And that way, we, we basically have a minimalist state which provides the space for um, markets to operate. So um, people can, capitalism can basically work. And someone wants something, people have problems, and someone else is going to make money off solving the problem. So you don't need a government program. It's just, oh, you're hungry. Ooh, if I can grow some food, I can get money off this. Or, oh, you really like talking to people. Um, hmm, I could make some telephones and then I'm going to get, you're just going to give me your money. Please give me the phone. Your phone is more valuable to me than this 1,000 euros or dollars or whatever, right? Um, so, and oh, what a coincidence. For me, I have 10,000 of these phones I'm selling. Your $1,000 is much more valuable to me. So it's a mutually beneficial, voluntary um, interaction, trade. And basically capitalism, pure capitalism, free market capitalism, is a network uh, of spontaneous, um, uh, decentralized, mutually beneficial, voluntary um, exchanges of goods and services, things and actions, nouns and verbs. Um, and, and so you, there's no central bureaucracy required. It's just, it happens naturally. And even if you have communism, this naturally happens anyway. It's a black market, right? People do it now. And so, um, yes. So that would be the antithesis of socialism, right? Like you have this lean state and then there's a spectrum in between. So let's see here. Uh, yeah, right. So debt. So all these states around the world, even America, United States, people say it's, oh, it's need to bring in socialism. It's had socialism for a hundred years. It's just, um, they, they brought in the income tax in 1913 when they brought in the central bank, which is when basically you might not be aware the federal reserve, the central bank, it's not part of the government. It's a private company. Um, they have shareholders and they, uh, I believe composed of big banks largely, but, um, and maybe private families. I don't know, but, uh, they, um, they make a profit off of, they, they print the money for the people for, uh, for, you know, the citizens, and then they charge interest on it. And it's like, where does that interest come from if all the money is being printed by them? And so it kind of seems to be like a Ponzi scheme. Perhaps you might think, um, someone who was willing to get sued might, might suggest that not me, of course. Um, but, uh, and nonetheless, so they're, they're charging interest off this there. So it seems a bit parasitic, but, um, but they, uh, and so then they brought in the income tax and seemingly to balance off those payments. So the government has money to pay off the, that debt. Um, and then also to, you know, expand their programs. You see like um, uh, Roosevelt, uh, Roosevelt, sorry, um, L FDR, you know, he's often credited as like, you know, being great. And, you know, I like the spirit of a lot of things he says, but it seems like actually he was a bit, maybe not as good as people think. Like he expanded all the huge amounts of socialism and all these programs, confiscated people's gold at gunpoint. Um, not very American, um, and, uh, all kinds of crazy stuff. Uh, but basically America expanded into socialism, like more and more government involvement in the economy. And you think about it, what do we really want? Don't we just want to live and let live? So ideally we would have minimum necessary of armed bureaucracies 
coming in and telling us what to do. Wouldn't that be ideal, you know? And I, like I've said, I agree. There's a, at this point in history, I think there is a place for these armed bureaucracies to tell us what to do. Like, um, and maybe forever, maybe, you know, to avoid slavery and to avoid, um, you know, um, t certain terrible things like, uh, um, we would need, maybe we would always need that minimal estate at least, or perhaps we'll do that for a while. Um, and then, uh, we'd transition towards full on like happy, peaceful anarchy where there's no central authority and we're all just understand that we are each other living other lives. So we're naturally peaceful, perhaps eventually, but I would say that's nowhere near. So, um, we can focus on the, the here and now. Um, but so debt, oh my God. Okay. I'm doing my best here. So hopefully this is useful. I'll try to keep this more concise. Uh, so all the countries of the world, there's, an, there's been an enormous sovereign debt crisis for a long time, right? All the countries of the world are, are up to their eyeballs in debt. Um, even China, I think, is heavily in debt, although they have, America owes them a lot of money, but I believe China's in debt as well. I'm not totally certain about that. Um, but uh, they have a very expansionist, you know, they, you know, they, they're just kind of like, very aggressive, um, into like very um, proactive, like economic policy, where they build, build, they build all these ghost towns that no one lives in because no one's got the money living them yet. But they're doing it to keep up GDP, and so I think they're indebted too. But even if that's not the case, fine. The uh, all, or at least the almost all of the world, is heavily indebted um, to to whom? The world is all this debt, more debt than ever in history. So therefore, there's more credit ever in history, right? There's two sides to every uh, exchange. So if someone's in debt, that means they're in debt to someone. So who 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 is holding more credit? You know, more more is owed to them than ever before in history. Mm, let me know in the comments. Is it an international banking cartel? Hey, I couldn't say. Who knows? Um, well, but it does basically. Um, uh, banks. Uh, it would seem to be like. Um, uh, financial, you know, financial firms, right? Like uh, who are, but then, you know, I mean, it, like, how does that work? Um, and especially, it seems like the system is a bit fraudulent at levels. So then, is that fair to have all that debt? But I mean, that's another conversation. But um, there is a perhaps. It seems like we're in so much debt where would either have to be all right. We'll give all of the stuff to these, you know, billionaires. Um, or we're going to have to forgive the debt and say, actually, a lot of this was accrued um, without proper consent from the people. So, um, and the best thing for everyone to keep balance in the system is just to have an orderly for forgiveness of the debt where we just let it go. That seems like that's going to have to come up at some point. But um, uh, yeah, so, but the point is here, socialism, people say, yeah, but you know, like socialism's great. It provides all these good things to people. Right. Okay. It provides, I'm, I'm happy that like it provides stuff to people like, you know, um, single mothers can get support. That's wonderful. People with disabilities can get support. That's wonderful. Um, education. It's wonderful that there's all these things being provided. I, I like that. However, the question, there's a few questions. One is, is that actually the best quality stuff? Is that better value for money than they would get if they were just doing it on the, the, the free market? I would say no. And you say, well, but they'd have to pay for that. Yeah, but they're already paying for it. Like, cause this comes from taxes. 
the government has no money on its own. It just has our money. So socialist programs, government programs, they are taking money on, from with one hand and giving it back with the other. And the idea is that they're putting it in different parts of the economy and to different people. And so that's useful for creating a more productive, peaceful, prosperous, fair society. But I think it's hard to actually make that case if you look at the evidence. Um, uh, but we'll get to that in a moment. But with debt, the, the, the other issue with you know these socialism is, yeah, but is this sustainable? Like, why are all these countries in so much debt? Because the government is really expensive. The government's huge. There's all these offices with the lights on 24-7. They've all got their own car, car you know, government-provided cars. There's buildings you have to pay rent for. You know, there's um, electricity. There's the, the canteens and these things. There's everyone's salaries. There's, you know, all the uniforms they're providing. There's building these places. There's re repairing the things. There's all the paper and the staples and, like, all the minutiae of, like, the, the bureaucracy um, the computers, the ev everything involved in this um, system, um, it's very expensive. And as we'll see in a moment, it's not efficient because there's no competition right, in involved in it, which normally keeps a certain element of rigor in a, a business. If you're not efficient, you're going to go bankrupt probably. So you have to be very careful. Even if it's extremely uncomfortable, you have no choice. You have to do it. Government has the luxury of just being like, mm, I don't really want to work like uncomfortably hard. No one wants to. So... I think we'd all probably almost everyone would do what what happens in that situation, which is you get a bit lax. Um, but anyway, so these systems are in debt, right? And if you think about, it, um, so there there is this. Uh, okay, so we'll get to the details later. But if it's heavily in debt, it seems like that's not sustainable. So even if it was better, then oh look, you know, John's much got a much better life than um, Tim. John's got all these things. Yeah, but. John's got 10 credit cards and they're all maxed out. Tim's got no debt and he's got like a sustainable thing going on. He's got a happy family, kind of modest home, but he's happy. He knows he can keep doing that forever. Who's making the better choices? You know, so that would be equivalent to socialism, I would say. Um, so debt, indebtedness, serial indebtedness uh, c coming from socialism, it seems. You, you know, you could do it, you know, on a, a lower, uh, to a smaller, on a smaller scale and perhaps it would be more sustainable. And I would say that's what we should be transitioning into. And then I, th I think probably transition slowly but surely, like carefully, to um, toward more free market system. Not saying just suddenly cut off all the programs and all this stuff. That's, we don't want chaos. Like someone who's on heroin, you need a gradual, well, they could do a cold turkey. But let's say someone who's on um, benzodiazepines or like an alcoholic. If they just quit a, a really heavy alcoholic, if they just cut off, stop drinking alcohol, they'll die. So I think our economy would be like that. It's not, we can't just stop suddenly. We need to wean ourselves off of socialism. Um, and so, so debt is one problem there. Um, also poverty, right? Um, and then also oligarchy. Those are the, th the three things I've written down. It's like these kind of crucial issues, problems with socialism. So poverty. Um, so the government's taking money and then providing um, services, but there's no, uh, there's, like with a business, um, if you can do it more efficiently than me, you can um, save money, and so you can offer lower prices. And then people are gonna, if it's the same quality, good or service, and uh, you offer a lower price, you're just gonna, people are gonna go to you, not to me. And then I start losing money, and I, get, I eventually go bankrupt. I disappear. Maybe you you use your savings to buy up my offices, and now you've just doubled the size of your business. And that's basically what happens, you know. Um, 
And uh, so, yeah, whoever in, in uh, capitalism, whoever can provide the, some people will provide a high quality, um, high quality good or service at a higher price. Then others will find the niche of, you know, lower quality good at a lower price. And people who want, people make their decisions of what they want and they go to them. But in general, there's a balance of um, some, the balance of uh, uh, quality and price, low price. Um, if, if someone's giving a better balance than someone else, people just naturally go to them and give them their money. And so they, they're incentivized to compete and to be careful. Government has no such incentives like that. Like, you know, you, I went to public school and, you know, there were good teachers, but there was a bunch of teachers who were just doing a terrible job, doing nothing but they couldn't get fired. They've got their unions. There'd be a big kerfuffle, you know, if, you know, as far as I understand it, like they would have to do something really bad to get fired. And so that's not really good. They're not incentivized to be on their be at their best, you know? Um, and in, um, I was in Canada, I used to live in Canada. And I think that's where a lot of this stuff where with socialism, where the disillusionment kind of began, we're like, Oh, it's like I was dealing with the bureaucracy and I was just horrified. It was incredible. Like the hoops they made you run, um, jump through was insane. Totally unreasonable, and just seems like they're just squeezing immigrants for money, you know. Like say, oh, you want to citizenship or whatever you want to be here. All right, do this, do this, and everything costs money. Everything's slow. There's all these people waiting on the phone with this terrible elevator music for like hours, you know. And then you talk to them, and they're really in a rush, and they just try to get rid of you as soon as possible. And I thought, oh my god, we're everyone's supporting this with, with like their jacked up taxes and. What's the point of this? And, like, and that you know, and there are other departments to talk to, but there's also great people doing a good job. But it's just look, it's human nature. We're all let's be real, you know. Um, selfishness is a thing we all have to battle. I have to battle it. I'm sure everyone has to battle it if we're honest, you know. And if you create a system where you can be selfish and there's no consequences, that's going to make that's going to increase the expression of the occurrence of selfishness, is it not? Right. So capitalism has less incentive for selfishness um ironically you know believe um so um a lot of government services and the products they're actually kind of you know wasteful and maybe not as good and also maybe not targeted as well as um, it could otherwise be so like um <coughs> with capitalism you know exactly oh you provide let's open a shop here no one in the area wants that stuff no one gives you money you go uh-oh uh -oh, uh -oh. And you get feedback, and you adapt. Government does it. Oh, no one's taking the stuff. Oh, whatever. I'll just be on Facebook, right? So wasteful. So it's less attuned to the environment. It's less efficient. It's less. You could almost say conscious. It's a, a less responsive system. Um, and uh, another example of that would be prices, right? So if if um there's something, say there's some sort of um drought or something and uh, or, the, or there's a flooding or there's some sort of problem and there's a lack of food um so um if there's a lack of food then uh the prices of food are going to go up um dramatically and so people because uh, people oh everyone wants food and there's and there's not as much enough food so people who have more money than the others are going to start offering more you know, that's how it would naturally happen. Um, but of course, people know how this works, so they just start raising the prices anyway. Because, oh, I understand, we can raise prices. Um, but it would, even if they didn't do it, people would start going, hey, hey, I know you're keeping your prices stable, you're being, you know, you want to do that, but here, 
I'll give you twice as much. I really want that bread. I've got like three babies. These other people don't have kids. They just want the food. The people who really want it and really need it are going to give more money. So sometimes that's people being selfish. But in general, say the some guy who is used to eating a lot, it's just he's living on his own, he eats a lot. Um, he is going to be less willing to spend money on it than the person who's got three kids. And so people go and people, you know, pay more, right? And the price goes up. And so the guy who's used to eating a lot might go, oh, damn, this is expensive. Okay, I better stop eating so much, right? And he doesn't really need it. So, you know, you just, okay, I have to, I don't have, I don't have enough money for that. I have to, you know, I need to pay rent. Okay, I just can't do it. I just have to stop spending so much on this food. Um, but the guy with babies just goes, oh, you know, I need it, right? Um, and so, and prices go up on that thing. And then that incentivizes people to go, ooh, you can make a lot of money in food production. I'm going to, I got all this land. Um, I'm going to get, you know, start growing a bunch of food and then I'm going to sell it at farmer's markets and make some extra money. So the price is a, an, a signal. It's sending information that, and this is capitalism. This is decentralized. This is not a government bureaucracy. This is why the Soviet Union failed. Centralized bureaucracies are, are less potent than the complexity of economies at large. But the complexity of economies at large is itself less potent than um, decentralized um, uh, systems of um, capitalism, like um, buying and selling and the, the price signals. So the price goes up, people invest in that industry. that Oh, we can make money. And then that fixes the problem and the increases abundance of the things. And then there's more food, the price goes down. But then maybe like um, there's not enough of something else or people want some other thing, you know, or they realize, oh, this thing's really bad for our health. Oh, and this can fix it. And then there's interest in this other thing. The price for it goes up because people start buying it and investment goes there to make the money. And where does the investment money come from? Well, in theory, it should be the productive people have a surplus. You know, they spend five, five X and they earn seven X. They have two X left over. Maybe they use one X for just having fun. They put one X in the bank, right? Over the years, they get more and more money um, in the bank. The bank uses all that money. What a bank, a healthy bank should do, which is a beautiful system if it's a healthy bank, what they do is they say, okay, I will hold your money for you um, and I'm going to use it. So thank you for giving me your money. I really appreciate this. I'm going to pay you for it because you're helping me out. All these And so the bank pays you, not you paying the bank, which is the crazy situation we're in now. Um, but uh, the, the bank you know, gives you interest on the money you give them. They pay you a little bit, you know, and so people are got the surplus and they put it in the bank. The bank gives them a bit of money for that. Like, cool, great. Um, and then the bank is doing this to th thousands or millions of people. And so they're getting the little bit of surplus from each person that ends up being a huge amount of money. And they can use that to invest in the food industries or in that new thing, which is fixing the health problem. And they make money off it and they use that. Maybe they make you know, whatever, why they make 10 Y profit from all this. They give five Y to pay off all the people who are giving them the money in the first place. And they keep that five Y profit and that happy days, you know, and that pays for all their staff and whatever, you know, they, well, or whatever, they just keep it and they enjoy it. So, um, this, you know, that's a, a capitalism, but people talk about capitalism, like some black dragon trying to eat the neck off your grandma, you know, it's like, 
that's like problem solve decentralized problem solving and a centralized bureaucracy cannot move that quickly even if everyone is being you know hyper intelligent and hyper dedicated and not at all lazy and we know that that's not the case so even if you had these like glowing sages glowing genius sages with like 12 heads trying to sort this out it's still they probably wouldn't be able to do it because it's just the complexity of the system's too much but the decentralized systems of um, voluntary exchanges mutually beneficial voluntary exchanges and price signals that uh, is actually more um, powerful than the the complexity of the challenges and that's why we're here because that's how we did it for thousands of years until socialism appeared like a hundred years ago so and I think it's not Overall, it's not like a problem that socialism has appeared. It's like a lesson, and so it's going to be a beautiful thing um, once we can move beyond it, you know? And so we're going to look back. It's going to have taught us a lot, um, just like anything. You go to the gym, it destroy, technically it's destroying your muscles, but then your body recovers, and, and then some, it like it compensates, you know? So it fixes it and gives an extra, a little bit extra, 10% extra or whatever, and so your muscles get bigger. Um, and so I think... Uh, in the same way, this experience will have taught us a lot, and so we're going to come out better than from than if it hadn't happened, and we won't regret that it happened. But it's just it's something we need to go through. Um, so poverty, right? So socialism can cause it through just these inefficiencies of providing these programs. Which, how do they know which programs people need and who needs it more? And oh, people need money for this, and people need not need money for that. We only have enough to do one thing. Who do we give it to? Who knows? But in if that money hadn't even been taxed in the first place and it was just in the population, people know what's good for them. And so they can do it in general, you know, not totally, but pr pretty much in general, that's the case. People have a good idea of what in the, what's in their self-interest. Um, the more conscious they are, the more um, accurate that is because they are aware of what their self really is, which means including your family, your social group, your um, nation, the whole world, whatever, the universe. And you can figure out the kind of balance of, hmm, I want to do this. However, it's more important that you have it and you're also me. So I'm going to give it to you. Uh, I'm going to let you take this. Um, but, uh, you know, there can be problems when someone's like, well, I don't really need it, but I, I really like this stuff. So I'm just going to take it even though you need it more. Um, so obviously that does happen. People can uh, have, you know, mental faults or whatever. And, you know, so we're not perfect. But in general, people know what's good for them. Oh, I need food. I need that. Oh, I've got plenty of food. I need... Um, I need a new car. And so they will channel their money towards what they need. Um, and the system responds to that, going, oh, there's money for this, price signals, right? And so um, it, the goods flow that way. And this is what America was doing for like 75 years and had this enormous increase in prosperity. And we act, you know, that there was no socialism. How did that happen? You know, it all makes sense theoretically and we've evidence for it. And it's, it's not just in America, it's happened in other places. Um, but like to varying degrees, like say Scandinavia, um, uh, when they implemented free market capitalism, as far as I'm aware. Um, and uh, you look at what's happened in China. They did this even though they, um, the government, it's fascism, right? They have control and they can shut people down at a whim or whatever. Um, uh, nonetheless, basically, they're using the engine of this system of capitalism. They're not using you know, socialism like, oh, we'll tell you what to do. They're kind of using price signals, supply and demand to you know, because they understand that this is the, the way to empower themselves and they don't want to be kind of dominated by, um, say, the the, the Euro European Anglo-American empire or whatever anymore, you know? Um, so, uh, but poverty also, because uh, 
here's the thing. So socialism is being paid for with all these taxes. So even if all the things that we're providing, I've just laid out a case for why um, it's actually not as good as what the free market would supply. I guess I should actually f finish that case a little bit, which is, for example, like, oh, what about schools and healthcare? Like, a, in school, I was taught that, you know, um, we were, you know, um, th th there's a, a, a danger of indoctrination from if the state is educating you. Um, and that did happen to some extent. I, I do remember certain things where I felt like, oh, there's a lot of glorification of war, for example. And so I was like, hmm, interesting. In hindsight, like maybe that wasn't what a 13-year-old needed to be learning and that's a bit biased and maybe if a pri private institution, the parents can choose, maybe that would be better. Um, but so let's, but basically I'll make the case that um, the gov there's three things that should happen if we're transitioning away from socialism. Three basic things. One is reduce taxation on the income tax especially, but just in general starting with the poorest people and the middle class. But because um, the, here's the thing, the rich are already avoiding, very rich people, they're already like avoiding tax. They've got tax havens, they've got money off in offshore accounts, the Panama Papers, uh, and what was it, Pandora Papers? Was that the other one? They um, have, like revealed this, you know, all these people, even, you know, your man Zelensky in uh, Ukraine, whatever, all this $10, $10 million worth in offshore accounts, all these things. It's like, aren't you an actor? How do you make that money? Um, you know, like... And not just him, many, you know, all kinds of people like um, all over the world uh, have basically money in uh, these tax haven or offshore accounts. Um, and, you know, the British Virgin Islands, is that all like, you know, did the British Empire really end? Like, where, what do you do with all that money? You know, you just gave up your power. You're the, you were the most ruthless and diligently so, you know, hats off, like, even though, you know, there's arguably a genocide of my ancestors in Ireland. Uh, from that institution and from you know the the predecessors of the royal family, where they kind of like, oh, there's food, but we're making money off it. We'll just let it happen. Oh, it's kind of convenient politically for us too. Kills off the language too. Everyone's going to speak English. Nice. Seems like there's a case. For, so obviously, I'm not like a huge fan of the British Empire in general. Although I acknowledge that there are good things that have come for it, from it, some good things. But they uh, hats off, like very organized, incredibly powerful, and making their will. Um, manifest so respect I, I want to be able to make my will manifest so hey I can applaud your ability to do that even while say criticizing some other thing you did um, and understanding that we're all humans anyway so we're all balance of yin and yang but um, but do, do we really think they just like gave like uh, that that force that was able to you know conquer the world like that was just like un the, the greatest empire ever the most powerful empire ever it was also the first empire to just give it all away Interesting. Or did all that money go off into offshore accounts and they're kind of still running half of Africa through, oh, you're not in line with what the IMF wants? Interesting. Suddenly there's a corruption allegations or suddenly an assassination. Not saying that they're doing this directly, of course. Um, or suddenly, and there's a guy called, I um, can't remember his name, but uh, he wrote a book called um, Confessions of an Economic Hitman. And he said that that's the system, that the, you know, the, these international, I don't know, big wigs with money, whoever they are, whether that's British royal family, I'm not suggesting that directly, right? I don't have evidence for that. Um, but just in general, like powerful people who have a lot of money, that they, and not a lot of com empathy or compassion for people who they perceive as maybe their inferiors, just random people, like, ah, fair is fair, all's fair in love and war, that they, um, 
there's this system whereby in the Anglo-American empire, that's kind of invisible empire, that where America and Britain kind of fused um, post-World War II and that, uh, you know, there's any time someone tries to benefit the people in one of these third world countries or whatever, um, they will be offered all these loans that the, the international banking syndicates know they can't repay. And then if they take it, great, eventually, oh, they can't repay it. And they get as collateral, they get like their mines, their health system, their railway system. So they get all these wealth, physical wealth, right? If they say, no, 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 that's not good, good for us. We're not doing that. They try to get rid of them um, or bribe them. They try to bribe them uh, and give them money. So they get a good deal, but the country gets screwed. Um, and if they resist, then they'll try to get rid of them through some means, you know, um, and including assassination. And that's what uh, this guy was saying. So I don't know if that's true, but so now that's a little tangent, but okay, let's bring it back. So, but the point there being that, uh, you know, um, there are all these tax havens and there's a, we know there's an enormous amount of money. Um, some people think it's trillions of dollars, which is in offshore accounts that we, and trusts that we have no idea what's in there, you know? Um, but certainly the point is um, the very wealthiest people in society who they could just pay 1% of their money even 0.1% of all their money, and it would be equal to all the tax that the world pays already, then they're paying like almost zero tax. They're able to avoid it because they're able to afford the very clever accountants and lawyers who can set up the ways to, to avoid the system. The system adapts, they adapt. It's a, an ongoing battle, but it seems basically they have so many, the resources of these people compared to the resources of the bureaucrats who are not really motivated to do it anyway, and they're being wined and dined by these people probably anyway, it's like a you know a losing battle. There's no you know, and the evidence in theory it makes sense. Again, in theory it makes sense that the um, trillionaires, billionaires, whatever would be able to avoid taxation. And in practice, that's also the the best evidence we have that they are doing that. Amazon pays zero tax or whatever it is, you know, and they just they um they all, we'll have our headquarters in some country, so the the locals get work through that, and they allow us to pay no tax. Great. So we make a lot more money. We're just paying a tiny amount of money. But these people get a good deal, this particular random country, tiny island or something. And, you know, so now, so the people who are paying the tax is basically the poor. And this is what's supporting socialism. The, the people who are meant to be being helped by this are paying, uh, you know, footing the bill. And so um, now, to go back a few tangents, um, climb, climb down the beanstalk a little bit. Um, so the uh so to move away from socialism three things would be uh definitely should have completed that thought before uh reducing taxation reducing regulation and reducing government spending three things that's basically it right so reducing taxation now starting with the people who are you know we who are really paying it like the the, the poor working class the working class the middle class upper middle class, right, in that order of priority. But basically, most people, like almost everyone, get rid of income tax. Even for wealthy people, sure, you don't pay income tax or whatever. Or we just cut it by 80%, right? So I think the basic metric would be like moving towards this idea of reduced taxation by 80%, not immediately, gradually, right? But um, as quickly as we can, but, you know, safely and responsibly, right? But to be realistic, reduce that by 80%. Reduce regulation. So where governments say, oh, you need to do it this, this way. Now, there's a place for regulation, but there's a lot of it where it's unnecessary and it makes it harder for people to solve problems and make money off of solving problems. And 
again, the government's incentivized to do this, maybe unconsciously, but because it gives them more power, right? And th through having regulations, being able to tell people what to do, it gives more jobs. Oh, there's an officer who manages this regulation and there's a whole office and they get holidays paid and they get their cars. So it's, you know, it's conflict of interest, of, of course. Um, and also uh, through... Uh, how else do they... Uh, does it give them control? So regulation... Um, uh, yeah, like, I mean, if they can provide their services, right? So, oh, we know best, we can do this, right? So th th there's all these conflicts of interest. And I'm not saying they're all conscious, but there are there. There are, whether it's actualized or not, there's a conflict of interest. Um, also, um, what often happens is, and this will lead to oligarchy, which is the th third point of how I think socialism basically screws <laughs> most of us, is um, people who have money... Say the, the people who their granddad started small, started a, a shop, and then they grew, and then they bought more, you know, they, they expanded operations. Da, da, da. So there's people who have inherited money, right? They're wealthy. Um, or people, even in their own lifetime, they've worked hard and they've got this thing. They've, if they've got a big business and they've got a lot of money, if they're really going to be ruthless with their competition and they want to keep what they've made, one way to compete is to say, oh, we're going to set the regulations by lobbying the government and paying, going, oh yeah, we'll support your election campaigns. Yeah, we'll give you money for that. And then you get more advertising and you outcompete your competitor and you get elected. Great. And then you owe us a little favor. Um, you know, lobbying people, um, giving election campaign um, and uh, funding and then also lobbying, like saying, hey, you know, think about this, 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 um, uh, to bring in regulations of industries where they say, yeah, it's just in the benefit of the, the industry. And maybe some of it would be good, the regulations. But part of the regulation is the burden of meeting those regulations is too big where you couldn't just start a business in the industry anymore. Maybe you could have. You could have just started a clinic. Or you're a doctor. You've been working in a hospital your whole life or 20 years. You know how to do everything. You could just start your clinic, can't you? Just get start renting a place and, you know, in the right zoning. Oh, yeah, commercial spot, start a clinic. No. So, huge amounts of paperwork, right, as far as I understand it. And such that you'll need a professional accountant and professional lawyer or a lawyer. You'll need an accountant and a lawyer and maybe other people um, to do all this stuff. And it's going to take, it's going to be long and it's going to take a lot of time and money um, just in order to not get sued or get in trouble with the cops. Now, but you're just trying to help people. So what, why don't we just let you do it? And if you hurt someone we, we, or kill someone or defraud people, we already have laws against that. You know, you already get in trouble. So you won't do it. And if you do it, you get in trouble. Other people won't do it. So uh, what's, what's going on there, you know? Um, th I think there's certain room for regulation, of course, like to, oh, okay, we all want to have the same charges. Okay, everyone has to use this kind of charger in this country. Or like, oh, speeding, you, you can't just drive whatever speed you want. Maybe there's room for certain regulations, but it seems like reducing regulation by 80% seems like that's actually probably a good idea. Like there's a lot of ways where um, regulation is used as a weapon where big companies basically buy out the government and they control the regulatory process. We've seen this with the big banks, right? Where there's a revolving door between the regulators and the SEC, et cetera, um, and the big banks. So that people were telling them years before the 2008 crisis, there's a crisis coming. These people are doing all the, committing fraud and doing all this stuff. And they ignored it because they were part of the same system, you know? And they're like, well, look, if we call them out, the other ones aren't going to do it and we're going to not make money off this. So my boss says, hey, I have to make money. It's all this incestuous relationships, you know? 
So um, that's another way that the state gets its hooks into the economy. If it's co- socialism is through regulation. So regulation and taxation, reducing them enormously, um, will make it easier for people to solve each other's problems through, here, I offer you a good or a service. If you want it, you pay me. If you don't like it, you don't pay me again. Good. If I cross a line and I actually hurt you and I've committed a crime, then I, go, I get in trouble with the cops. Perfect. That's all the regulation we need, I think. Um, say pollution. I mentioned this recently, but just to make that clear, like if there's a, say, what about polluting rivers, et cetera? Yeah, I agree. There should be regulation, but I think we don't need all the complicated regulation we have now. It's, again, this is just my point of view. I'm not an expert, but it seems, why can't we just already, like tort law, like negligence law says, if you serve a sandwich and it poisons someone and it turns out that that was foreseeable, like a, a reasonably a reasonable person, the average person would have seen that coming. Like, yeah, the kitchen's filthy. Of course that would happen eventually. It's, it's not certain, but it's not that surprising. It kind of makes sense. Then you get in trouble just as if it was intentional. That's negligence law, right? Tort law. Now, why don't we just have that for like pollution of rivers? That's going to cause cancer. That's going to cause infertility. That's going to cause all these problems. You, you, and you allowed it to happen. Okay, it's just as if you intentionally did it. People get in trouble. I'm definitely 1,000% in support of protecting Mother Nature against selfish, pointless acts of um, you know, environmental vandalism. You know? so, but that's the kind of regulation we need. Um, just simple, lean, not much. The third thing, right, then government spending... This is how we get to lower taxation because otherwise we just go into debt and it's not sustainable. But the thing is, we're going to be getting these, if people have all this extra money and there's a, if all this less regulation, people can provide, go, oh, everyone's got all this extra money um, and especially if they know this is happening. Yeah, this trend's increasing. They've decided, uh, everyone's listening to James' podcast, oh, great idea, yeah. Nah, or like listen to um, people who are talking about this. A lot of these ideas I'm getting from other people. Um, and these conversations occurred and snowballed and okay, the government's on board and we're gra- we've got this plan to gradually keep reducing taxes and regulation. We're working on it. Um, people go, okay, look, people have got more money now and they're going to have more and more money because taxes are being reduced more and more. Um, and there's less regulation. I think I'm just going to start this business. I'm going to solve that problem. People want education. I'm going to start a little school and uh, I'm going to provide... I've been a teacher, primary school teacher, so I know how to do all these things. I'm going to do it. I'm going to get together with three of my buddies. We're going to do it together, um, and we split the profits, and uh, that's it. And then, if pe- you know, pe- ever, a bunch of people, 50 people do that, or like let's say 150 in groups of three, right? The some of them are terrible at it. Okay, they go out of business. People don't like it. Um, some, um, most of them can do it, and they get better and better, and you know, and then a minority of them are incredibly good at it. And they will start to dominate and grow. And maybe other people who are like on the losing end, like, I'm just going to go work for those people because this is too hard. I'm not a business person, it turns out. Great. This is capitalism solving the problem naturally. This is the way we did it for thousands of years, you know. Um, Decentralized problem solving um, via price signals, supply and demand, you know. Um, People have problems and selfishly, I can help myself by making money off of helping you, right. So, um, and so... People are like, oh, if we didn't have public education, what, you just want people to be dumb? Well, that would be an argument for socialism. If you want people to be dumb, it seems like the quality of a lot of the education we get. But, you know, um, 
And so private schools right now are like, oh, this idea of this very expensive, at least in Australia, it's like very expensive, only for the elite, very wealthy people can afford them. But that's because the government's providing this free education. So anyone who's trying to prov- target the middle class, you can't, it's incredibly difficult to do it because everyone's just going to take the free option, quote unquote free, because they're all, basically they're already got a gun to their head paying because they're paying in tax. You know, if you don't pay taxes, you go to jail, right? So, but if they weren't paying tax, if it was voluntary, oh, you can pay this and do the government school. That might be a good way to do it, actually. Have public, um, tra- as a transition, have public services, but they're voluntary, so you can opt out of them. And they might just collapse really quickly um, or, uh, and, and the others grow, you know? But that might be a good way, control demolition. Um, uh, that might be a good way to transition where, you, you know, if the public services can provide it in an efficient, good way, then people stick with them. But they go, oh, look, these other people are doing the same thing. And they're not talking about how oh, our country is the best and everyone else is evil and those wars are all justified. Um, interesting. Um, and they're not requiring me to put a mask on my face even though there's no evidence that, you know, that's actually helpful. Spoiler alert, sorry. But um, as far as I understand it, that's the case of the consensus of the experts who aren't being paid by the governments who are mandating them in the first place, independent experts. Um, and so, you know, people would go, but that's neither here nor there for this conversation, but um, that people will, will uh, probably support the, the, the private schools. But in that situation where people have all that extra money, um, they will be able to afford more. They will be able to afford private schools because the only reason they can't do it now, or well, one reason, is they so half their money is being taken in taxation. So there's many things we'd be able to afford if we weren't taxed, right? And then also, to make it even more affordable, is with less regulation, um, there would be an increase of supply of these goods and services, supply of um, doctors' clinics and education, and probably be smaller things where it'd be more responsive, more teachers per student. Um, a lot of these systems, the governments, you know, it's these big inefficient systems where they have to lower the quality in order to make it work, you know? Um, whereas, like, uh, ca- capitalism uh, allows a very, uh, the best, basically, the evidence so far, and the theory, again, upholds why that would make sense, is that that gives us the best bang for our buck. So you're gonna have the be- more, most teachers per student, the, the happiest teachers, best paid teachers, same with doctors or whatever. Um, am I missing something? Please let me know. If I'm missing something, I need to know. So I stop telling people all this, right? But like, it just seems like this is actually the way it is. Um, and so uh, these services that the government provides, maybe even building roads can be done, you know, people go, okay, people want a road from here to here. We're going to do it. And you can have a toll booth there. If you go along it, you need to pay. All right. And so the road gets built. Everyone's happy. Um, and, oh, but we don't want to pay extra. Yeah, but you're already paying tax for all the roads they build. So you just pay that to a private company who's incentivized to do it well. However, that might be a case where, and we're going to talk more at the end, the balance of things. I think there, might, there is a case for some element of socialism, perhaps, of government involvement in the economy. For example, like to build a road, you need to buy up a lot of farms or whatever and you know go through there. That's kind of tricky. It'd be tricky to have competition. You don't want just one road mafia who just own all the roads. you know. So, yeah. So perhaps we'd leave that with the government or something, you know, um, and do something like what I believe maybe in some Scandinavian countries they have where there's um, people, oh, okay, you've been doing the service and people aren't very happy. Someone else bids to take over and there's an election. Who, uh, what are your plans? Okay, we vote for them. Or you might have, you know, the people in the government voting or 
yeah, there might be some s- certain systems for balancing it out and making a bit of socialism work. But in general, there seems like there's many things, most things that they're doing where it's unnecessary. The uh, private sector could do it better for us all. Uh, lower price, better quality. And we have the beautiful plus of like less involvement with, you know, when you with people who you can't talk back to. You know, like someone gives you a bad quality service. You can tell them, hey, I'm not happy with what you're doing, you know, um, and you can not come back. And they know that. And so they have to kind of be a bit balanced. How many times have we been talking with the government, right? Uh, have you had this experience where the, you're being absolutely just disrespected, absolutely terrible treatment? There's a lot of lovely people I really appreciate in, who I've met, interacted with in, you know, bureaucracies. So I'm not talking about those people, but there's other, many other people who are rare. It's just like absolutely shocking um, t- treatment, total lack of decency and um, mutual respect, right? Respect. And, and yet I need them to do something for me. Like, oh, I really need them to grant this random thing, which I shouldn't even need. So I can't talk back. I just have to take it. And that allows them to keep being a tyrant. Whereas in a capitalist system, I would say, hey, you're being a tyrant. I'm not coming back here and I'm going to tell your boss. And they go, yikes, tyranny doesn't pay. So that's another thing that we've in a more free market system. There's just more freedom people. And I think there'd be more common decency because there's less interactions with people who are allowed to be lazy, including morally lazy, where they're able to just kind of be jerks, you know, and no problem, you know, no, no consequence because people can't talk back because then they can go, Oh yeah, well maybe I'm going to give you a f- no to that visa, you know, or whatever it is. Um, so now oligarchy, developing through like you can move towards fascism basically in the, the more academic sense, like not the popular sense of like thugs in the street or whatever with batons. But um, like if you increased taxation, right? So keeping people under control by taxing them more. Yeah. Cause we're spending it for your own good. We just need to raise taxes or print more money, which is a secret tax or borrow money, which is another secret tax because that just means future people have to pay it off with tax. Like the government can only pay, get money through taxation. So if you're borrowing money, you will need to pay for that with taxation in the future. So it's just a, a type of, you're basically taxing from the future, taxing our children and grandchildren or taxing us in our older age, you know, um, and printing money, same thing, secret taxation, um, taking, getting that, doing things, getting that, sucking the value from our money. If you increase the money supply by 10%, then you've just decreased the value of all the, every dollar in your bank, everyone's bank account by 10%, right? So, and there've been, you know, the amount of inflation, the amount of government printing is off the scale, especially during COVID. They couldn't have paid for all that stuff without this. So, you know, uh, there's just in- incredible waste uh, of resources, but, and unnecessary, insane policies, but, um, so counterproductive policies. Uh, so, uh, the point being, yeah, so oligarchy, so through taxation, okay, that um, keeps, it makes it hard. If people are taxed, it's hard to get ahead. It's hard for you to become more, you know, grow your business, grow your life, develop your own little private kingdom or queendom, you know? Um, so, but then the people who already have a critical mass of wealth to pay to avoid tax, they, they can, they're not having that problem. They're fine. They're not paying that tax. And they've already got, so... The, the further down this, the, the ladder you get, the harder it is to climb the ladder. So you just start falling off. People start sliding, you know, um, especially when you throw all these 
two years, small businesses can't be open, but big corporations can be open, like Target or whatever, you know. And like, oh, they're also the people paying for the election campaigns to certain politicians. Oh, interesting. By the way, side note, I forgot to mention this in my previous podcast about politics. A lot of, I think, politicians get in for the right reasons to politics. Some just do it for megalomania, sure, ego, etc. But I think um, a lot of them do it for the right reasons. They want to help people. But then they get in there and they either they get slowly corrupted by the system. Oh, it's kind of normal. Everyone else is doing it. Fine, I'll do it. Um, or like they just realize, hmm, I have a choice, which is keep my integrity and I'll probably be shut out of the system very quickly. Um, they will just say, oh, we're not, we're not giving you, we're not supporting you in your next campaign. You can't be a, a Democrat anymore or whatever. Or we're not going to support you. We're going to support this other person um, or a Republican or whatever. Um, and so they go, well, I'm going to say that the 5% of very important things, which uh, I'm getting, I'm not, and they're telling me, hey, you need to stop talking about that. We can't do that. Um, we can't get rid of the Federal Reserve, even if it might be the, be the the solution to all our problems or something. That's not on the table, right? The people who go, mm, okay, I'm just going to pretend those 5% of things don't exist. I, they'll go, I can then make progress, humble progress, on 95% of the other things I care about. That's what I'm going to do. And then, and the people... And they, they're allowed to get into the system. The people who go, no, moral stance, I'm going to be 100%. I'm going to be totally honest. Those people, there's defense mechanisms which try to block them out of climbing the hierarchy of power. Very hard to get to up senior positions within the party and to control the overall direction of policy. You can you know, be someone like Rand Paul or Ron Paul or whatever who's saying, this is all crazy. But even that must be hard to you know, even get elected. Um, but then to have power over the rest of the party it's going to be almost impossible um and all of this requires mass public um raising of consciousness in order to kind of um, uplift these people up but so that's the thing i would say um just you know not hating on politicians i just think it's a dirty game and um it is what it is and i think a lot of people they just understand like hey i would like a lot of them would like maybe to make certain changes but they're like the some things are just too hot to touch you know human mind can only take so much as bob dylan said um so all right so but oligarchy so taxation can kind of disproportionately affect the people lower down in the socio-economic hierarchy um regulation allows as we've seen the introduction of basically police states during the the whole um covid era or whatever um and but then it just in general like um a lot of control over the population through regulation and you know, look at China, they're just like, you know, oh, you can't, you're not um, doing this thing, or you've watched, you've read that website, you've done this thing that we don't like. Okay, um, you're not allowed to go in, you're not allowed to travel anymore until you get more points, you've done more of what we like. That kind of thing is happening there, and, um, you, you know, the passport, COVID passport thing is not that different to it. Some people are afraid that that is like a kind of a slippery slope towards that. Um, and that certain probably well-meaning technocrats who think that they know better than everyone might go, yeah, well, man, it'd be nice if we were just like China. They can just, our stupid citizens just won't listen to us. Shame, you know? If only we could just say, yeah, okay, you have to do this or else you can't travel. You know, so not to be cynical, but it seems like that kind of is happening, isn't it? You know? Um, but, but, and just regulation in general, um, it allows the development of monopolies. So if you can say, oh, okay, to be an auto mechanic, um, to have a garage, uh, you need to pay um, a license. It's uh, 10 grand a year. People who are trying to start a garage, people who have been mechanics, working, learning the skills, and they want to start their own place, they're like, 
man, that's a lot of, I can't afford that yet. Or I don't know what the costs are, but you know, or, and then, oh, and then there's like, you have to pay insurance because of, you know, like the way the judges have like interpreting the law or whatever. It's like, oh yeah, you know, it, it seems like a bit excessive, right? Like um, there's this whole system, which seems like there's a culture and there's um, a, uh, a system of regulation, which is burdensome and unnecessarily complex, you know, and you can get in trouble just for like, smaller things oh ignorance of the law is no excuse it's like 10 million laws you know and so um that's another thing which encourages this over like bloated um bureaucracy and bloated um book of regulations um is the people who have a lot of money they can manage that easy they just pay a tiny bit of their profits to people to manage that but um they've got economies of scale to deal with this it's fine but then people who are trying to um, compete and trying to come up and develop their business, it's much harder for them to deal with that. So that again encourages the development, um, the benefits the most wealthy. Again, this is socialism, right? Government involvement in the economy, again benefiting not the poor, not the middle class, but the very wealthy, the elites. So and then not saying there's some cabal necessarily, but you know just like it benefits that end of the spectrum, right? Doesn't it? And then uh, through government spending, the government can has a lot of money. It can decide where to put it, oh, um, this school is kind of saying this thing that we don't like, okay, we can kind of withdraw funding from that thing, or there's ways to manipulate when the government has all the money, there's ways they can use that. So this, um, and in general, and then people, even if they didn't, weren't doing that and being little tyrants, um, powerful corporations are going to go, oh, the government has the authority to control education. Hmm, why don't I give them a bunch of money and get friends with them and gradually have, you know, nice, have dinners together, our wives can hang out, whatever, da, da, da. and then uh, going to bring in kind of this idea that, you know, um, we're good, like have good relationship relations with the government um, so that the education system is gives us good PR, basically. Or even, oh, Google is, you know, Google's taking over the classroom in America, you know, like all the students are doing everything through Google, all these Google things, you know, and Google is monetizing all this data. They're monitoring all of the email and all this, and they, they use that for advertising and, um, and your searches, all this stuff. So, you know, again, this socialism, the, um, by giving so much power to the government to be involved in our lives, which never was the case until like a hundred years ago, that has all these other effects. Um, we've talked about indebtedness, which seems like it's unsustainable, the system, even if it was doing wonderful things, it wouldn't be, it seems like it's like 10 maxed out credit cards. That's not actually a great idea because it's, you know, you can't afford it, you know? So just because you like all the things, look, you need to be able to afford it. Otherwise it's a terrible idea. It's going to end up in tragedy. Um, and I would say, get your house in order. It seems like, you know, I've been saying for a while, my friends, it seems like, you know, the, the um, global economy is in terrible shape. And the 2008 crisis was not solved. They just kicked the can down the road and it, you know, now the problem's bigger and um, the COVID thing kind of seemed to give it some breathing room to delay it because they put, it seems like things were already falling apart. But yeah, like, um, you know, just like word to the wise, like, uh, yeah, maybe uh, do some research into that and um, I'd say, you know, make sure, you know, you're all, you know, prepared for there might be some rocky waters uh, ahead. Everything's going to be fine though, I think, 100%. But it's just, seems like there are there's another crash coming it seems a bigger one um which might um take down the value of current like currencies like the us dollar might take a huge hit the euro etc um some people are saying have gold and silver or whatever at least some 
because that can't lose its value. So if you're interested, that's an idea. But um, Or like look into people like Peter Schiff who talk a lot about this. Another podcast I want to mention is um, Part of the Problem uh, with uh, Dave Smith, this comedian who talks about libertarian stuff. Really amazing, very insightful. And um, uh, the Mises Institute, M-I-S-E-S, it's like a, a website that has uh, like uh, all kinds of stuff about um, Austrian economics, which I'm going to talk about in a bit. Basically, it's a school of, um, of thought which uh, basically argues in favor of libertarianism, more or less. Um, so check, there's a lot of good stuff there if you want to learn more and dig deeper into this stuff. Um, so, uh, yes, so we're saying um, economy. Yeah, so serial indebtedness, like oh, just, you know, unsustainable levels of debt seem to arise from socialism um, uh, or the way it's been practiced um, and which seems basically like all over the place, all over the world, depending on it, no matter the level of socialism, it seems like this is the trend that seems to happen. Um, and uh, what else? So uh, Poverty and oligarchy. So not the best mix, you know. Um, so now... Let's see, what else did I want to mention here? So, um, yeah, and now, like, why is there so much indebtedness? Well, apart from the inefficiency compared to, like, capitalism of, like, uh, central planning and, you know, government bureaucracies trying to fix things, like, do you want the government making your guitar? Do you want the government making your shoes? Do you want, you know, look at this, you know, the products from the Soviet Union compared to, like, the capitalist countries. Capitalist countries, the products were much more effective in general, as far as I understand it, um, and higher quality because you had ruthless competition, right? And so that produces the best stuff. Um, you know, uh, what's it? Steel sharpens steel, you know? Um, and, but then, you know, so why would the same thing not apply to other things like education or um, medicine or whatever, you know? So it seems to make sense. Um, however, so, but apart from the thing of like, you know, the, the inefficiency of the system. It's also the case that um, politicians are incentivized to overspend because if you've got democratic socialism or whatever, you've got people being elected. If it's if the government has the right to just get more and more involved into our lives and just keep spending, increasing their powers, taking over more and more of our lives and needing more and more of our money to do that, um, I'll take over your life for you, but you're going to have to pay me. <laughs> you know, um, Then... Uh, the pe- basically, um, politicians to win votes, unscrupulous politicians are going to, and they do, um, promise whatever you want, a bunch of freebies in order to get in, and then, you know, that increases the debt, but hey, it doesn't matter, I'll be gone by then, you know, and I'm in power, great, and so I just go, okay, we're borrowing money, and here, you get free this, free that, you know, um, so that has been this been this expansion of government providing things, not just because they think it's a good idea, which definitely happens as well, but also people who are saying they're just being you know politicians competing say hey I want to get in I'm going to promise more than the other guy I'll give you everyone gets a Mercedes Oprah Winfrey or whatever you know um, so you know like uh, that's that also um, there's like an arms race of giving away more and um, so that's also encouraged, I think, this indebt- level of indebtedness. Um, and, um, right, okay, so that's something to mention. What else? We'll kind of bring this to a close, more or less. Um, 
Right. Uh, yep. Um, okay. So minimum wage. So that would be another example of regulation um, where socialism actually hurts the economy, it seems like. So basically it seems like, oh yeah, minimum wage, everyone should have you know, a certain amount of money. That's good. Yeah, I agree with the idea, but there's um, theory and practice. There's intentions and results, right? We want the results. The results are more important than the intentions, right? I want to help everyone. So I'm going to, you know, sh shoot anyone who's got like red hair. Like, uh, I appreciate you've got good intentions, but that's not what we want. The result is not actually good. You're actually confused. So it's not just about having good intentions, right? It's about practically what are the results work. And the minimum wage is like shooting red-haired people. Not really. Just kidding. Um, but a little sup of water while we um, prepare to uh, explain the nuances or investigate you know, the nuances of this. So minimum wage, how could that be bad? Well, the thing is if you say, yeah, you need to pay people uh, $15 an hour, right, or whatever it is um, for that job, then, okay, if the only way that would be helping is if you're thinking, oh, the owner's really selfish and they, they're giving them $10 an hour, but they could be giving them 15 you know, but they're just keeping that for themselves. Um, and okay, fine, that's one that kind of makes sense in theory. But then uh, there's a lot of jobs where actually the worker can't provide $15 worth of productivity per hour. So a business... You know, if you if a worker is taking more than they're giving to the business, the business won't give you the money. They'll go, no, that's a deal. We're not doing that. I, I can't do that. If I do that, I'll go bankrupt. If I do that to everyone, I'll go bankrupt. It's not possible. Not not doing that, right? So there used to be like kids who would. This is again Peter Schiff kind of like, you know, clued me onto this argument. So this would basically be his argument. But that like there used to be apparently, you know, um, kids would like work, you know, first jobs. But oh, I'm going to work in cleaning, just washing cars in a petrol station. I can't really do much, um, but I can wash cars and get like three bucks an hour. And that's good for the kid. They're becoming, they're learning discipline. They're learning respect. They're getting people skills, talking to adults. They're maybe getting physical skills by learning, oh, washing and certain, and maybe they go from there. They go, hey, uh, there's no cars. Do you want to learn how to sweep? Okay, come sweep. Oh, you want to learn how to work the till? Okay. And so they can start getting a practical education and skills, many kinds of skills, people skills, especially. Um, and just self-management, right? And a sense of pride and, um, you know, self-direction. Uh, um, so, and they're not making that much money, but they're not providing that much value. They're just cleaning cars, right? Like, like can't be given $15 an hour for that. But, um, but they're happy because, oh, sweets, they just want a few sweets, so they're happy, you know, and that can't happen anymore. Oh, you need to pay them $15 an hour or else it's illegal. So that's the one problem of the minimum wage. Um, internships. Um, you know, people used to be like, okay, well, yeah, I'll give you an internship for like $10 an hour. You're not, you can't give me enough value to justify more than that, you know, because you're not going to bring that many clients. You know, I can't trust you with clients as much. I'm going to need extra people to do that, but you can be hanging on there as well learning, but I can't just give it to you yet. You're not reliable yet. I, you know, um, but I could pay you $10 an hour. That's not allowed anymore. So now you have, that's ironically, that's backfired. And now you have all these free people doing internships where they're getting paid nothing because that is legal. It's legal to get paid nothing. It's just like, oh, volunteering, you know? Um, so, and apparently there's a case of American Samoa where it just, the minimum wage, they brought it in because it's part of you know, America, it's a territory, 
they brought in the minimum wage and it just r- destroyed the economy. Basically, um, they used to have ships coming in who would bring in goods from the mainland and you know they would be sold there, whatever. And then um, the, they would have like a, I think a tuna cannery or whatever where they would can tuna and they'd put that back on the ships that would take go back to the states, the mainland, and they'd sell that there. But then um, their I think their uh, wages were like lower than the rest of the the, the, of the USA um, there for whatever reason. But you know, but they had a good deal. It was sustainable. People you know making money, you know, able to get goods and whatever. Um, and then they brought a minimum wage and the, they weren't able to afford that. And so the, the industry collapsed. And so now no one had any money. And now they, um, and because the ships weren't being loaded up with tuna to go back, that made it more expensive for ships, the ships to come the whole way. If they're not putting all this stuff on the way back and make money off that. Um, so it increased the cost of goods. And so the whole place was ravaged by the, this regulation, the minimum wage. So that'll be an example of oh, regulation. Like, yeah, there's a lot to think about. I don't know all the answers, but there's some important things we need to think about, you know? Um, and I think we want to think about it. It'd be great if we could fix these things, and I think we can. We just need a, especially with the internet, exchanging ideas, like, we got this, you know? Um, what else? So, yeah. Um, so these two schools of thought, basically what I'm outlining is kind of, you could call Austrian economics, like free market economics. Um, I haven't read all these people. I want to. I, I hope to um, in the coming years, but... Um, von Mises, Hayek, um, uh, Murray Rothbard. I read a book by him, one book uh, on liberty, I think, or toward a new liberty, something like that. But um, these guys are basically saying that's the oldest, as far as I understand it, they're the oldest school of economics. And they're saying, hey, uh, the government is very expensive. It's kind of like a parasite on the economy. Yeah, we need it for certain things, but it's, it's, it's a drag on the economy. It's not providing any productivity, but we need it to keep people from robbing each other or whatever. But... Um, it's just grown and grown and grown, this parasite, this cancer, you know, and the, when the economy is very wealthy, it could support that. But now it's starting to take over a bit too much. Things are falling apart. We need to shrink this thing. Um, and then shrinking government, we're actually going to get our prosperity back much more. Um, and, but so, but they're the oldest, the oldest school of economics or the older, oldest uh, modern school of economics, I believe. Um, and basically uh, against that you have all these other ones and they're all very different you know classical economics I don't know but I think there's like classical economics there's Keynesianism there's the Chicago school there's these different schools of uh, thought but they all have in common I believe all of those that they all believe um, the government is has a useful role to play in stimulating economic growth there's some fundamental differences like Keynesianism which is kind of like I believe kind of like the general way which things are viewed um, in like government economists mainstream economic, economists believe like consumption causes economic growth using things eating food is good for the economy but doesn't that take away our harvest eating the harvest it's natural but doesn't that mean like we're losing wealth whereas isn't it better to produce apples isn't that more wealth and so the austrians say they got it totally backwards like productivity and savings that's what increased economic growth you produce more and then you know you get a surplus and you save it now banks can use that to stimulate more economic growth like we talked about before Whereas, uh, you know, consumption and uh, spending, that's just taking away resources. So we have less to invest back in the economy now. In a business, what kind of business? We're like, yeah, we, the more we spend, the better we are. A family, the more we spend, the better we are. Like, what the hell? That doesn't, how did that make sense for a country, right? So I might be butchering it, but I believe that's the kind of basic distinction. A lot of the economics that governments have been using are kind of like, you know, sycophantic People go, yeah, yes, man. Like, well, maybe it's just, you know, as it's happened, 
but they've been endorsed because the government's like, oh, you mean us having more power and more money uh, is good for everyone? Music's in my ears. Oh, what, we need to shrink and a bunch of us are going to lose our jobs and have to get jobs doing useful stuff in the economy. And it's going to be good for us overall, but, mm, well, I'm not really attracted to that message somehow. Let's go. I'll think about it. I'll be back to you. You know, Don't call me. I'll call you. Um, so let's see. Uh, that would you know, basically be like, yeah, um, it seems like there's a, a many conflicts of interest which have caused a situation where um, socialism has been endorsed as this thing which is good for everyone. And unfortunately, or maybe fortunately, because it's going to help us get, gain nuance with our consciousness, is like it's, it's not what it seems. Like often things like, oh, I don't want to be mean, so I want to be kind. And uh, fighting is mean. So uh, I'm, I'm a lover, not a fighter. It's like, actually, they're not opposites. The, the real lover is also a fighter. There's the overlap is both is the answer, you know? So you're not fighting just without love, but also if someone tries to do something wrong, um, you will fight them. You will protect love. You're, you're willing to fight, you know? That is the higher octave of love, you know, or, and of fighting, you know? And so it's like, there's a lot of things where it's like this or that, capitalism or socialism, are you good or bad? It's like, actually... You, you know, we need to get more nuance. It's not as clear as it seems, the shades of gray. And so I would say it seems like we should be tra transitioning toward um, more free market forces and letting markets, na you know, oh, there's something what people want or need. There's a market. It's just naturally going to develop around that. Even if you have socialism or communism, black, it's going to happen. There's going to be a black market. So just like, you know, step back government and just let it, let it happen and, um, and transition towards this, um, and the sooner the better, but, you know, carefully and diligently. And I think the main part of that would be you and me having, understanding this, thinking about this more, go do some reading, get, you know, um, get interested in it, talk to people about it. Um, if there's conversations, people are talking, oh, yeah, it's all the fault of capitalism. Be like, Actually, you know, I was uh, thinking, I've heard these arguments about blah, blah, blah. You know, I think we need to talk about this stuff. And people might not, you know, agree, but that's fine. Just say, hey, I'm just thinking out loud, you know, free country for now. <laughs> um, so... Yeah, and I think there is probably a balance. Like, say I'm in Ireland, right? Like, if we just totally deregulate everything, there's all these big corporations in, like, Europe and da -da -da around. So it's possible that they will come in and just dominate us here. Like, okay, um, if the government wasn't um, involved socializing housing, maybe they would just buy up all the houses and they'd be really expensive. So there could be issues where you need the government to interfere to protect certain boundaries. It's messy. I think it's not, you know, um, black or white. But I just think in general, the signal, the message is pointing towards what's this, the, there's all these symptoms of, uh, of the illness. And I think the illness basically is excessive government interference in the economy and in our lives. But, and I think um, it's in everyone's interest, even people who work in the government, um, our brothers and sisters, to kind of clue onto this and kind of figure out exactly how could we, am I right, what I'm kind of saying in general, or what is right, and then how do we transition towards that? Um, and I think basically we could lower taxes by 80%, lower regulation by 80%, lower spending by 80%, but do it, uh, and spending, probably do it a bit later. So give it maybe, give it a while for the economic growth to start kicking in before we start cutting the services off, you know? And yeah, our debt would increase, but we manage that. Um, and, you know, then once there's all this econ more economic growth, we get the idea and everyone else is going to start copying that around the world if that was done successfully somewhere. Um, then you could start to pay off that debt with the proceeds of this transition. So just un we have a vicious uh, circle, which is brought us here. 
get a virtuous uh, circle by kind of undoing what we've done and return to what we're doing for thousands of years. So uh, now that's in, uh, that would be my, you know, 300 words on the topic of uh, why socialism perhaps isn't so fair after all in the triple or quadruple meanings or whatever there are there. Um, much love and uh, yeah, I uh, hope you enjoy the, the fruits of uh, all your voluntary mutually beneficial exchanges with all beings. Peace and love. <laughs>